0: Welcome to episode 52 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Mike Joy Doesn't Give an F edition of the Rip Strip Podcast. I'm um, your host, Philip Matthew, and I'm here with my co host, Josh fine. What's good, brother?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. Yeah, I have to say, I agree with you on Mike Joy not giving a crap anymore. It seems like he's just telling it like how it is. But, you know, we got a lot of stuff to talk about with uh, NASCAR, F1, uh, Gator Nationals, and all the good stuff about racing. So, you know, we'll have to talk about this on. Uh, today being St. Patrick's Day, so happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody listening. If uh, you guys want to celebrate, so
0: yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm having a beer for St. Patrick's Day in my uh, Davy Allison Koozie. Um, it's turned green, kind of, because of the, the. It looks green in the picture, so it actually works out. Nice. So happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone out there, whether you're actually Irish or. You celebrate because you drink beer. Um, Definitely a lot to cover here. We're getting busy on the GSP. Uh, Other people want to copy us because they don't have original thoughts. Well, you can F them. They can F themselves. Uh, We're going to talk about NASCAR briefly at at one of the worst racetracks in the world now because they ruined it. Um, Because We need to have the final race there because they have a cactus for a flag stand. Um, I think that may be the only reason why they have that race there because it's in the middle of nowhere, Phoenix. It's not even Phoenix, it's Avondale. I'd like somebody to come back and tell me where Avondale is relative to actual Phoenix. Um, crappy racetrack, two crappy races. Um, the no- noted whiner from that truax kid from Mayo in New Jersey. Um, One on Sunday. Then in Saturday, Gumby continued his uh, his reign towards a repeat championship, while Justin Allgaier did what he usually does, which is choke and gags and oil down the whole entire track like a like a douchebag waterhead that he is. Um, we'll talk about Formula One testing at Bahrain as we are a week away from the Formula One season opener. Uh, thoughts on what? transpired there, what we may be seeing. uh, We'll also um, give our thoughts on the great Murray Walker, the voice of Formula One and and in British motorsport for many, many years, uh, absolute icon. Um, You would consider him to the same level as like a Ken Squire for us here in in America, or Chris Oconomacky type of guy. Um, with his iconic voice and his passion, um, I think it is a combination of both of those guys because of his ability to write, but then also an in interesting voice. But then the Murrayisms that he had, the the just the sheer passion he had for the sport. Uh, NHRA, of course, uh, debuted last week. Gator Nationals, uh, first time winner in Top Fuel, as uh Josh said, you know Josh Hart. Uh, never heard of him, uh, and but he's a winner in his top field debut. And then 95-year-old Greg Anderson. No, no, it was his 95th win. He turned 60, and it was his 95th win. But he basically looks like he's 95. Uh, Matt Smith continues uh, the EVR Buell, uh, dominance of uh, his team with the speed over 200 miles an hour in the final. And then, yeah, J.R. Todd winning, former Funny Car Champion. We'll get into all that. And uh, wherever else we can get into here on the GSP, we'll talk about the 12 Hours of Sebring and uh, other parts there, the Roundup with the Daytona 200. Yes, it still exists. It still happens. Um, it had a great finish. Corvette returning to Le Mans. Probably let Josh talk about that because even I haven't been able to. I know they got new paint schemes for the 12 hours of Sebring this weekend. Um, the iRacing Challenge will be starting again uh, tomorrow, actually, since we're doing this on Wednesday, the 17th. It'll be starting again on the 18th, uh, leading up a month away before they start their season at Baba, as a uh, lead, if you would say. We'll preview NASCAR at Atlanta. uh, And we'll get into anything else of football. We got NFL free agency. The 49ers made a big splash in uh, re signing Trent Williams and getting Alex Mack so that we actually have a center since we haven't had one basically for two years. Um, You know, Niners have got other things to work on. Some of the other players have been signed by whatever, Seattle signed Witherspoon, uh, New England signed Kendrick Bourne for whatever reason, um, but God bless him. He got a lot of money, so we'll see if anybody's going to be able to actually throw to him. I know that um, Cam Newton can't anymore, but we'll get into all that and Josh's sim racing as well. So, yeah, let's start the, the show with the uh, Cup Series debacle. Uh, at phoenix which uh was you know typical uh boring uh, non non-essential useless race uh, i don't understand why they even bother going to phoenix twice uh, it's it's just a waste of time uh three Hendrick cars went to the back two wear cars and of course Quinhoff who's probably the worst drive one of the worst drivers in the history of the nascar cup series uh, he is just an abomination truex was the winner he led the second most laps in the race uh, joey logano was the dominant car won one stage finished second in the first stage other than that hamlin Berger, and ryan blaney were the other Three guys and then or two guys along with Brad Keselowski. So the Penske cars, they finished second and third in the the November race. Danny Hamlin finished fourth. Uh, so they were all up there again. Clyde came from tailback again, but he didn't have as good of a car, uh, probably because he didn't have traction control um, and because they didn't want him to win here. And he finished fifth, Harvick sixth, Larson. Byron so all the Hendrick cars failed inspection the ones that failed inspection all finished in the top 10 and Alex Bowman didn't and he finished 13th um I love how that works uh Christopher Bell and Ryan Blaney were your top 10 uh Josh I guess the takeaway from this deal was uh Truex it's only a second win with uh with his new crew, where I i mean, I say new crew chief, His last year was a new crew chief, but James Small and, uh, you know, winning at Phoenix, a track that he hadn't won at, which when you consider what he's been on since 2016, leading, I think, winning 26 races or 25 races, is, uh, is kind of surprising that he's only had two wins in the last year and change. Um, Are we looking at Truex differently now that he went out there and won this race at Phoenix towards the whole entire championship? Or is this just, you know, it's a typical Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs, is there's three teams that are standout teams right now. Gibbs is always solid, whether it's Hamlin or Kyle Busch, or it used to be Kyle Busch, would be at Phoenix. And now Truex has been able to benefit from some of that tech.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible with Truex winning this early in the season. I mean, last year, he didn't win until the Martinsville delayed race uh, in June, um, in the middle of June. And he's only won two races the last two seasons so far. Um, so it's a little bit uh, surprising that he hasn't been able to have more wins uh, than what he had last year, or, or actually, you know, 2018, 2019, and when he was super dominant. But for true it's um i mean he won early this time and looking at his results uh he's finished third sixth then now first so been on a kind of a roll i guess with uh, his season excluding the daytona speedway and daytona road course so i guess uh maybe he could have potential uh to finish you know top five at least top 10 every week and then get a win but i think he's just you know had a lot of poor luck getting wins, uh, the last year or so. So I think with a uh, new crew chief now, maybe they'll, um, you know, they had that year of adjustment period, I guess, to get used to each other. And maybe this year they've got it all figured out and definitely probably benefiting from Denny Hamlin and, you know, Kyle Bush and even Christopher Bell. So I think possibly, um, Martin Drex, maybe he can pick up three or four more wins, uh, later in the season. Um, But I can't see him winning on the level that he did from 2016, 2018. Not sure if that's quite possible because I think the Cup Series overall is a little bit more competitive than what it was uh, during that time. But I uh, do think that he can probably get uh, three to uh, four more wins during the season.
0: Yeah. I was just checking out the news about Suarez and he's going to have a Mexican crew chief too. So that'll be great. That'll trigger certain people. They'll probably bring out the bomb sniffing dogs and they'll probably look specifically at Daniel Suarez and his new crew chief for this weekend. Cause Travis Mack got um, suspended along with um, Jeremy Bowens for Brad Keselowski. So um, I'm sure for all the ones that are triggered about that, then don't worry about it. They'll still, they'll, uh, Racially profile for Daniel Suarez and, and Bubble Walls for you guys, so you can you can rest easy on that assholes. Um, but it'll be cool when they actually get in the racetrack. That'll be something. I wonder if they'll actually bother to cover that. That's uh, quite an interesting little uh, story there. Um, in regards to the race, I, I mean, for TrueX, we'll see. Uh, you know, the 18 is definitely not. Uh, where he wants to be I'm sure Hamlin's got a huge points lead he's kind of he's sitting pretty really he's got a lot of points Uh, basically a full race right now over Brad in the point standings with Joey Logano in third and Martin Truex right now theoretically leads the playoff points by one over Kyle Larson so the situation is: these sixteen cars that are in the playoff right now are the sixteen drivers, like the top sixteen in points. So, you know, O. Richard is on the cutoff. Bowman is three points out. Busher is four points out. Uh, you know, the guy that everyone gets triggered by in the twenty-three car. Uh, Bubba Wallace is in nineteenth in points, so that's better than uh, that team that fifth Gibbs car has been running in recent years. They usually would not have uh, as high of a point total over the last, but two, three years, whatever they've been with Toyota or D burrito or Chris Bell. Uh, Cold custard is in 20th in points. Uh, Ross Chastain, who's building a rivalry with Kyle Bush and hopefully they start fighting, which will be cool. Um, bring out some tables and chairs and, and do some weapons matches. That'll be great. Um, in terms of the rookie battle, it's not much of one because chase is struggling and so is Anthony Alfredo, but Anthony Alfredo at least is beating Quinn Huff in points. So there is that. Um, let's Yeah. That's about as all, all I'm going to do with the cup race. Cause I, I couldn't deal with it. That, that cup race sucked um i know that you mentioned i know the point i guess and i'll throw to you on that josh uh, in terms of the grip strip why we're named the grip strip podcast is because of the grip strip that they use at certain racetracks because nascar doesn't know how to make a good rules package um i think at the end of the day it didn't really work um it's probably because Bad year doesn't know how to make a good tire. NASCAR doesn't make a good rules package. And then you add the fact that what was Phoenix International Raceway, a perfectly fine, challenging flat track, got ruined by the Daytona Beach Mafia at ISC, um, takes all the grass away, basically wastes a whole amount, huge amount of apron, Um uh, to do whatever the hell they did with it. And then they made the back stretch into this stupid. Um, it's like the Paul Ricard of ovals. Um, that's basically what they've done. They literally have turned Phoenix International Raceway into the Paul Ricard of ovals. It's all paved. I wish they, what they should do is they should just go the way they did it at Ricard, where they go and put different colors for the different lanes. So then it'll be like Technicolor. And then they'll just have people having having fits watching races at Phoenix. If they really want to go hard. That's what they should do. Like go and make one lane orange, the blue and, you know, like their colors and then make one green for the stupid cactus flag stand, you know, like just, let's just go that far personally. But I, I mean, I, I mean, I'll throw to you on that too. Uh, The grip strip definitely has failed Um, again. uh, That's become a a trend um, on, on the cup circuit mean, um, even on the Saturday race, but uh, I think we're getting to a point where they need to stop using PJ one, and they need to actually either lay down rubber or do something else. I don't know, like actually let them practice. I don't know something other than PJ one because they I, they don't know how to apply it.
1: Yeah, I mean, with the grip strip there, the PJ one. I mean, there was way too much of it on the racetrack. I mean, there was such a contrast between the lanes that was in on the high side and then there was nothing on the low side and it's like they they really wanted to focus on putting in the the top at least in turn two turn one and two or the old turn three and four the uh i i think on i guess turn three and four the old uh one and two i mean this is this is hard as confusing me even but um the uh low lane right there was just uh i i mean it was still the same like how it's been but you could tell like they were really trying to focus even on that side of the track uh, to make it uh work but i mean phoenix like the old turn 1 and 2 or the, the old turn 3 and 4 is um supposed to be a corner where you can like, at least how they have it now where you can really dive uh on the low side and now they're trying to focus in on the high side make that work um but it, it was just there was just too much of the pj1 there uh way too much of it and i mean there really wasn't any action uh, on the track the whole weekend. I mean, it was boring. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, do either of us watch this race? No, no, Uh, (laughs) it was garbage. Um, I mean, we could catch the highlights on YouTube and that's all we had to miss was just the 15 minute clip on YouTube from NASCAR, um, credit to them on that. But, uh, the stuff was too much there. Um, you know, I, I agree with you on that idea of making it like Paul Ricard, just painting the lanes, different colors. I mean, you could extend it to the dog, like, and put that there and then you could uh visualize like the type of lanes these guys are driving especially on the research like you know we've seen brad keselowski almost drive to the front of the pit wall uh and almost clip that so um that that's the amount of ridiculousness that we get when we see Phoenix and and it really um doesn't benefit anybody so um you know they used to say Darlington should be turned into a pond well you know, maybe there are are there any lakes in Arizona? I have no idea. So maybe they should make an artificial lake right there with Phoenix uh, and turn could, that into
0: a lake. They could take some of their politicians that they send out there, and they can probably bury them there. It'll be good. Yeah. Um, you know, like they could take that that Ch- Chief Joe or whatever that Sheriff Joe Arpaio and the yeah. Kristen Cinema and the two of them, you know, you can bury those idiots right in the and then that apron and one and two, just like they buried Jimmy Hoffa at, at Giant Stadium back in the day, supposedly. But
1: yeah, but that's all we got to say about. Yeah, I mean, that's purpose. just
0: a, it's it's insane to me how bad they've ruined that racetrack. I mean, if you're really going to if you're going to really do the, the redo, don't keep the, the front, keep the pits on the what is now the backstreet. Use the dog leg properly. Put the pits out closer towards the grand, the one grandstand there is and then utilize the infield make the infield even bigger, make a road course, do something. Like, they had a road course there. I think they still do. I have no idea because they never use it anymore. But utilize that infield and make it a fan experience. Don't And, and, and open up the place. If you're going to get rid of all the grandstands on what was the original front stretch, you're not going to have any grandstands past the dog legs. And they're all going to be going out into, they're all going to be going to Las Vegas on restarts. You know, it's stupid. Uh, you could open, they, and because there's so many things wrong with that racetrack, and there's the racing is terrible. It's not a aesthetically pleasing racetrack. The camera angles are terrible. The peep, the, the spotters are SOL because they're sitting in, in the in in the suites or whatever the hell in three, and four, and there's crap going on hundreds of yards away, and they'll say, "Oh well, that's how it is every week." No, no, no. The angles at Phoenix are as bad as you can get in in the whole entire sport, and I mean, for fuck's sake. I mean, and and <laughs> what's worse is that they're going there uh, for that finale. And I'm sure Chase Elliott will fail inspection again. Uh, I'm sure Kyle Larson will fail inspection again. uh, Gibbs Carl fail inspection. And then they'll all come up front in 15 to 25 laps. They'll probably throw a competition yellow just for fun. And just just, just stop it. You know, if if we're going to have, if we're going to have, um, Freaking! Uh, what's what's the the wrestling the the one owned by uh, your your boy um, Shad AEW. Khan AEW? If we're gonna have AEW. Let's just have AEW for you. You know, put the ring there. They have so much room. <laughs> let's just have AEW. Let's have Cody Rhodes come out there and drive a car. Let's go and have John. Um, Mo- let's have Mox go out there. Let's let's just do it. Let's just make it wrestling because that track is a shithole. It literally it. I mean, now that Chicagoland, they dump Chicagoland, they dump Kentucky. You know, you have Kansas, one of the worst racetracks ever made. Texas is one of the worst racetracks ever made. And in terms of configuration, they have figured out a way to destroy Phoenix. Phoenix is in line to be the worst racetrack we run at. And now they have the championship. It's atrocious. And then you add Nashville Super Speedway to that mix. Oh, my God. This this is going to be. Brutal. The, the the Nashville, I'm gonna tell you right now, I mean, for the people, the few, the the loyal followers, don't worry about the National Super Speedway recap. There ain't gonna be one unless somebody gets run over, somebody fights. If that pastor Helms goes and does something where he fucks his wife on, on TV, that's about it. There's gonna be no recap. That race is gonna suck really bad. Any 550 race. Sucks. They've ruined Homestead because of the damn 550 rules package. So NASCAR, as we go along now, now that Formula One's starting. Um, we're probably not going to be talking about it as much because we don't have to. There's plenty of NASCAR places if you really want to go to. You can talk, go on talking in circles and listen to NASCAR coverage for sure. That's a great place to listen to, and that's a, a shameless plug because I'm on that show. And if you also want F1 only content, you can listen to F1 Grid Talk podcast because I'm some. I go on that one too, and Josh has got open invite on there. Um, We've got IndyCar coverage. I'm sure we could chill for the. Indy Sports Car podcast they're they're one of the best they're an OG um Frank and Missy um and so I mean the reality is we we give respect to the ones that care about us and take care of us the OGs Frank has been uh he was the one that put us together and when we talk about indie car racing and think about him and Missy and their new baby their their son and uh he's a little cutie and uh, I, I love that little boy, even though I, I've never met him going to one day and I'm going to be saying ride right on rock on just like Frank, because I want to talk about something positive because Phoenix makes me angry. Um, speaking of nonsense, we'll go to the Xfinity race where um, uh, Gumby, Syndrick. I, I mean, here's, here, here's my whole entire take here on, on, on this deal. It's a case of when is when is Austin Sindrick going to lock up the regular season title and how many whatever playoff points will Austin Sindrick have before we get to the playoff, whenever the hell their playoffs start or Bristol or somewhere. Wait, that's my question. I don't even care about the, ra- the fact that Gagson did his typical Gagson thing, blows up and f- puts oil all over the racetrack. Like like an LCD inbred dipshit that he is, and he deserves to get punched in the balls and then power bombed into like a vat of flaming hot liquid. But um, yeah, I guess that's my question because I, I that that Xfinity race was also unwatchable, and that includes the fact that they made Suarez and Logano sit there with cue ball, um, and that was not um, That was a brutal combination. I feel bad for both of them honestly on that
1: yeah the Xfinity race I mean like like you said earlier like Gumby won uh Noah Gregson was on fire Algar wrecked off of turn two on the final restart or off of uh turn four on the final restart whatever turn it is they, they keep changing things and um yeah that was basically the race but I mean at least there was one positive there uh Brandon Brown finishing third place and possibly even working out a deal with uh, Marcus Lemonis and maybe getting camping world sponsorship for that car. And it's good for that car. They have no sponsor and now they may have uh, backing from camping world for at least one race. So, Hey, good for him. Um, he's been a grinder. Uh, definitely has been showing for the last year that he can get it done on the racetrack and uh, get good results. And he's definitely been able to go up there and, and fight for a position with uh, the, uh, established, uh, Competitors on the Xfinity series like Gumby, like uh, Noah Gregson, like Justin Nagar, so that was good. But I mean, as far as Noah or as far as uh, Austin Singer going, I mean, he may have the uh, thing locked up for the regular season by the the time they get through the summer. I mean, well, um, probably the middle of the summer because we've uh, got the road courses coming up in like May and like June uh, with uh, in beginning of July with uh, Indianapolis uh, Road America uh, Coda, um, Sonoma. So all those tracks, I don't know about Sonoma for the Xfinity, but you know, point being like we've got a lot of road courses coming up, uh, in the summer months. So, uh, that's in his favor. And I bet he could probably win all of them. So definitely, uh, have that one locked up, uh, with a couple of races to go, uh, for the uh, regular season. And then we'll see how it goes for, uh, the, um, chase playoffs. We'll see how Austin Cedric does there, but he'll have it locked up early. I
0: agree. Yeah, I'm looking at this. After this race at Atlanta, they're going to basically be off for a while. Uh, their schedule just gets really choppy. Um, they'll be off because of Bristol. Then they'll be off for Easter. They'll run the first of four dash for caches at Martinsville with another off week, Talladega another off week. So basically after this weekend at Atlanta, they're going to be – was it one, two, three, four off weeks in, in, in six, like they won't, they're only going to run two races in the next month and a half, which is really dumb. Um, And then the next race they'll get off is because they'll have a two week break because of the Olympics. Um, Because NBC has to show it. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule here. Regular season ends at Bristol. I thought it's sort of whatever. Who cares, um, Las Vegas, Talladega, Roval, Christ, and the the Texas, Kansas, yeah, yeah, that is a pretty terrible um, group of racetracks there outside of Martinsville. um, There isn't one redeeming racetrack in that playoff, really, in the Xfinity Series. But for what for my thinking here in terms of where Sindrick will have this thing locked up he's going to have it locked up before uh i think he's going to have the regular season title basically on lock before they go on the olympic break i think it'll be done in the middle of july and he'll be he'll be free rolling going in going for the next month which that includes two road course races at Watkins then in Indianapolis where he was one of the fastest cars last year but Chase Briscoe beat him um, he won he won the Daytona Oval uh, earlier this uh, uh, last month um, you know he's good at Michigan, Darlington, whatever, Richmond bristol i think he's had fast cars at a lot of these places here in the last few months uh basically it all switched the the, the light switch went off on Syndric. i think somewhere um in the summer last year and he's been on a heater ever since and um i mean it's crazy i never thought that Syndric had this in him i i it, He's not, he's not your typical daddy's money guy and that it's not all the whole money thing. It you know, and he's shown talent in other series. He's usually run over people like other daddy's money guys, but now he's maturing and he's really figuring things out. And it's a positive thing. I mean, everybody knew he was going to end up being in a Penske car. He's probably going to be in the 12 car um, at some point. Um The only person I think at Penske racing right now that's definitely guaranteed that isn't Austin Zendrick's Joey Logano. Um, Brad probably is not going to be there much longer. Blaney at some point has to take a step forward or he's probably going to get nailed. Um, So Gumby's going to be in one of those cars. I honestly feel like uh, Tyler Reddick's going to go to Penske. I I just do because there's no way he's going to sit at RCR. And play second fiddle to that piece of garbage um, Austin Dillon, um, and they're a third-rate team anyway. So it's uh, I think Penske is going to make some moves here uh, to solidify their future and kind of put themselves in a place to where they can compete. Because Gibbs is all older, you know. They've locked up two older guys and Hamlin and Truex. You know Kyle, they're never going to get rid of Kyle Bush. Um, but at some point, you're gonna have to put Ty Gibbs in a car. Um, Chris Bell is that first step, that first pillar of the future of Joe Gibbs Racing, and because Toyota's not gonna let him go, so he's gonna get the time. Unlike other guys that have been at at Gibbs, whether it's Joey Logano, Daniel Suarez, or Eric Jones, they'll um, give Chris Bell the time, and he's already proven that early on that he has the chops. So. But Ty Gibbs is going to be in one of those cars, probably the 18 or the 11. Um, and then you have to find two other guys. Who are those other two guys going to be? Um, Maybe Bruckshot Jones, which will be hilarious or, um, you know, by who knows. That's the thing. That's really the the problem. Uh, uh We don't really know. Maybe John Hunter comes into play if he doesn't go to 23-11. Um, but, yeah, that's something that we'll have to look at, I think the way things are in terms of the Xfinity series um, kind of went off on a tangent there, but it's all right. That's what this show is about. You know, I go off on tangents. Uh, if you don't like it, screw you. Um, Sindrick uh, has a 47 point lead on Hemrick, Who, I got, I, I feel so bad for him. I mean, not because I, I don't feel bad for him in terms of life because at the end of the day, he gets to, uh, to make love to Kenzie rust in for the rest of his life and uh they have a beautiful baby daughter and he's going to be able to race super late models or late models if this doesn't work out um I think he's going to have a nice career doing that if if this doesn't come off uh he's second in points that's the thing like he's second in points he can't win a race but he's second in points he's a points racer if this was a full season championship, I tell you if if it was full season championship racing, Daniel Hemrick is the perfect person for that, which means he has to get out of NASCAR, <laughs> up in the big three series. He has to just go and run for run the advanced auto parts, whatever the the same championship that Josh Berry won last year for junior motorsports. That's what he has to do with late models. Oh, the cars series, the cars tour or whatever. Like he has to do yeah. whatever it is to just get out of this the series. It's it's not his style. Um, but we'll see. I think we're I think Hemrick is on the cusp. I think the, you know, you look at Jeb Burton's third and points. He did similar when he drove for Turner Motorsports in the trucks and uh won races there. I think both of those guys are gonna win, hopefully at some point. Um Harrison Burton, of course, has proven he can win. Um Haley Brandon, like the bottom end of the top 12 here, you know, Brandon Brown is in a good spot. He's got a, got a good gap on Justin Allgaier. He's got 23 points on him and, and Herbst uh, because he's terrible is on the cutoff. And then you have, you know, after that, you have Michael Annette, of course, who's literally one of the worst drivers I've ever seen um landing castles and play actually nine points out and uh it's it's not it's kind of intriguing right now gagson hasn't had a finish of value i think all year but he's only 17 yeah 17 points out so he'll get there you figure gagson's gonna get in there um look at some of these other drivers there ty gibbs has only raced two races this year and he's ahead of i don't know how many guys that have run every race which is hilarious yeah um but it it's you know that's why you talk about the depth of the series i guess that's where it goes but um yeah we'll go from that to the formula one uh recap here in regards to testing at Bahrain and first off we'll uh talk about Murray the great Murray Walker. Um I talked about it on the Grid Talk podcast. Uh, they just posted it earlier today um where you can find podcasts. It's also on YouTube at uh, at the uh F1 Chronicle page uh where you know Murray Walker to me, it's like, because the other two guests and, in, in uh, and Owain and, um, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember who Louis were both much younger. They weren't able to experience formula one with Murray Walker. Of course I wasn't able to experience formula one and Murray Walker per se. I've watched video clips or I've watched, you know, different things where, and I've actually saw things in, um, you know, from back in the day, especially with Senna and and stuff like that. And it, he was a legendary guy. He's kind of, like I said earlier, he's like Ken Squire. He's like Chris Akonimaki, uh, to British motorsport. And like, there was a video clip I was watching on YouTube where, where Clark, Jeremy Clarkson had, had, uh Murray Walker announced Snooker, which is like a pool different type of pool, and he made that game sound like it was the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of of sport, and it was hilarious, but it was Murray Walker you know he could he, it, it's like I joke around, I say it's like he could read it's the way I look at tracy morgan i he could read the phone book and I'd laugh it's the same way as like he could, Murray Walker could read, could, could read the phone book and it would be interesting. And it was the British touring car championship in 1992, the finale at, at Silverstone and his line, some of the lines he brought out in that, you know, I'm going for first Cleveland says, as uh, Steve Soper goes past him and he's flipping John Clones flipping the bird to to Steve Soper because he passed him and blocked for his teammate Tim Harvey, you know, like they're, they're, that. That race is iconic for British Dream Car Championship fans and the all the crap that happened. Oh man! But that's like for me, that's like Murray Walker in a nutshell. Um, I don't know about you, Josh. You could chime in here um, in regards to what you experienced or whatever experiences you've had listening or seeing clips or what you saw on the, on social media, since his passing, it's a legendary person. I think it would be similar. The, the takeaways would be similar to what uh, if, if, and when, when the, that time comes for Ken Squire, I think it would be similar to that because of how much he's meant to so many people. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I was a little too young for Murray
1: Walker. I mean, he last announced Formula One in 2001, and that was even before I got into NASCAR, or like a year or two before that. So I didn't really get to experience him, watching uh, him or hearing him on live TV. But you know, over the years, getting into Formula One, seeing clips, you know, from the uh, late 90s, the um, you know early 90s uh, during that era with Senna and all of that, like and Schumacher's, uh, rise to dominance, um, just hearing his voice, the, the way he announced his races. And, um, like he said, like the, the quotes that he had, I mean, I don't really have any like specific quotes of, uh, Murray Walker off the top of my head, but, uh um, you know, he really made it interesting and, and really knew how to tell a story with, uh, uh, the races there. And I mean, the, the clip that I do remember from, uh, Murray Walker is, um, this commercial that he did with uh damon hill for like pizza hut and that one was really hilarious the way he made it sound (laughs) yeah
0: yeah. i mean damon hill had yeah you're so i i love that commercial because i was a damon hill guy unfortunately um (laughs) uh, and he wanted to he was strangling yeah that's that's so beautiful because the fact is murray walker announced graham hill he was able to announce his father. And then he had such a close relationship with Damon and he was crying. He couldn't talk when Damon Hill won the world championship at Suzuka in 1996, because it meant so much to him because he was so close to their family. Um, But he also took pride, uh, such a great pride a national pride in, you know, all the British drivers and, and that, and you'll say, oh, well, that's bias. I'm like, look, at the end of the day, you announce for the BBC for how many decades. At the end of the day, that's part of the thing. You're going to have a national view. It's a way that it's part of the way they call racing. It's not as much here in America as you really can't do that, but you could tell with some of these announcers, some of the way they behave, um, how they go and have a national view. But then like you think about the Japanese announcers when they go and they freak out and they're like blowing loads all over the booth when <laughs> Takuma Sato wins the Indy 500. I mean, yes, if they blow loads because the fact is doesn't happen often that Takuma Sato wins races, but then also think about it. That's the, that's it. You know, like you're winning the biggest race in in, in motorsports or one of the biggest races in motorsports and he's Japanese and like that doesn't happen. You know, like, it's the same kind of deal. It's not as much because, of course, the British motorsport, you go back decades of great racers, uh, you know, Sterling Moss, and, you know, you th- you think about uh, Surtees, and uh, it goes, the list goes on and on. And in terms of basically my time being on this earth, you think about, baby, everyone talks about uh, Mansell and, uh, You know, then his whole deal and you think about Damon Hill and then go on from there to where we are now with, uh, of course, Lewis um, and George Russell, amongst others and Lando and all. But yeah, Murray Walker's loss, um, David Croft, you had Martin Brundle, of course, who was his last partner in the booth. Um, you know, they there's so many people, and it's 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 something like how we were talking about Mike Joy and you, the connections. Everybody, if you think about NASCAR broadcasting and the ones that actually were good, a lot of them aren't employed anymore for whatever reason, but they all have a connection to Ken Squire, and there are people that suck too that have connections to Ken Squire, like Tog, but Mike Joy. You, you know, Dave Despain, Alan Bestwick uh, you know all the MRN crew probably in some way shape or form uh, going back to the great you know uh, Barney Hall and all that they all had the camaraderie and the connection together um, you know like that's really there they all like it's a Squire Hall isn't there that's the one the one part of the NASCAR Hall of Fame is a Squire Hall uh, award, right? For announcing or something like that. They have that. Yes, media portion. excellence. Yeah, the media excellence award. Yes. Yeah, so there you go. You know, and I'm not trying to kill. I'm not trying to do a Dan Lebitard and, and, and kill somebody that ain't dead, you know, but <laughs> I'm trying to go and 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 give a comparison or an understanding of what it would mean. Why it yeah. was such such a big deal? Um, because we lost Chris Economac a few years ago. The, the dean of American Motorsports uh, writing that was almost and, a decade ago, man. Yeah,
1: twenty twelve.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. We lost him so long ago, but the point is, he's his writing, his yeah. his ability, his voice, everything. Um, it still resonates and there's so many people and so many things that that still exist because or have existed because of Chris Konamaki and Jersey guy and all that. but, you know, and Squire's the same thing. And the, they're those, and you think about CBS broadcasts going back to the nineties and those two guys are together. Ned Jarrett and you had Neil Bonnet before his untimely death and you had Buddy Baker and, I mean, now we're starting to lose a lot of the, the real passion um, and the history of the sport. And it's probably why Junebug matters more, uh, no matter how good, bad or indifferent his broadcasting may actually be. I don't think it's as much to do with him as it is some of the idiots he has to work with. But he's literally the one bastion that's left in terms that actually cares about the history of the sport. All right, so we'll um, change from Murray Walker and trying to go on off people that aren't off yet to uh, the Formula One testing, which saw Red Bull uh, definitely uh, stake and at least a, take a a small uh, uh, crack or put a nice little hammer a little bit on, on Mercedes' little armor there. But I—I I mean, I guess the question on that—I mean, we can get in a number of times, but it really doesn't matter. We don't know what the fuel loads were. We don't know anything about it. Max Verstappen's the best driver in this series outside of Lewis Hamilton. Everybody knows that. But is it? I mean, are we really looking at Red Bull as a clear? you know, one, is this a one, a one and one a situation is this max or stop and pushing himself to a different level because he's actually got a teammate for the first time in his career. And Sergio Perez, who's also going balls out because he knows if he can make this work with red bull, he might be able to finish his career out pretty cool. Like, you know, Mark Weber was and, and, and he gets some wins and, and and then come to the states and make a ton of money running indie cars. I mean, he has Sergio Perez's lots of angles going on here, but are we looking at Red Bull with their Honda connection and everything kind of really becoming like morphing into one? And the rules package kind of saying flat. Are they 1A? Are they gonna be able to next week when we're talking about this race? are they the favorite to win not only the pole at Bahrain, but win the race at the Bahrain Grand Prix to open this 2021 world championship?
1: Yeah, I think it's a fair question to ask. And I mean, I feel like I'd be willing to bet on that, to be honest, Uh, Red Bull, uh, they definitely have a a shot to win. Uh, They were definitely the best team testing uh, Bahrain last weekend. So uh, coming into uh, next weekend when we actually race for real in F1 to start the 2021 season. Uh, I think they definitely uh, will have a chance to um, go out and lead first practice and uh, take the pole and then uh, go out and win win the race. Uh, I think, you know, Max Verstappen definitely has a chance there. Um, I think, you know, after, you know, the last couple of years of him being the lead guy and, not quite having it like in in some races where they would definitely have the results and then uh a lot of other races where they had issues with the uh, reliability or or bad luck uh i think maybe this is finally the year where they're actually a threat to mercedes and um mercedes kind of struggled this past weekend as well um with uh their new W12 car but i mean they're still kind of you know top dog i mean they definitely probably have something else in the cards there and uh they'll they'll shake it out next weekend, but uh it's definitely like a, a 1A, 1B thing, like you said. Um, I mean, I don't know, can't can't uh, say like how many laps uh each driver would lead or whatever, or who's gonna have the the fastest lap. But um I definitely feel like at least to open the season the first couple of races, uh Red Bull should be pretty strong and they'll definitely uh be a, a lot more of a nuisance in uh Lewis Hamilton and even Valtteri Bottas than they had in previous years. Um, I I think uh, with having a good teammate like Sergio Perez, I mean, he's going to have the opportunity to uh, be in a a good car finally uh, for really the first time in his career. And uh, I think he'll benefit from that too. And um, I don't know if he'll have like the same type of finishes that uh, Max Verstappen uh, should have, but he'll definitely be up there in kind of that top five range uh, potentially. So a lot to expect for Red Bull and definitely think that they'll be the ones to really challenge Mercedes the this season in Formula 1.
0: Yeah, I, I'll i go the other way. I, I said it on the Grid Talk podcast. I I just don't buy that Mercedes... It, it, I don't think it was sandbagging. I mean, Lewis was struggling with traction and uh, he spun out a lot. Botas was able to get top of the charts in one of the sessions um i just don't buy that they're gonna lose uh two tenths or three tenths that easily um and then it's lewis hamilton um you can hate him it's fine i'm glad that people hate him it makes me happy that i'm a fan of his um i made the right choice finally with a formula one driver And he's won more races than anybody and he's going to continue to win races and he's going to win another world championship and it's going to make more people mad, which makes me happy um, because those people can go suck a dick um, or put their thing in a vacuum or shove something up their ass and do whatever I like fuck you like. The reality is he's one of the greatest ever. You can say it's the best car and all this stuff. Well, you know what? Michael Schumacher had the best car for five years in a row. What the hell did he do? He won five world championships with Ferrari. He had the best car in 1995 and he won the world championship. That's six of the seven world championships. The one, the first world championship, he missed like four. He did the Kyle Busch because they suspended him or they, they just excluded him from races and he still won all these races, um, and he won that world championship. It also helps that Ayrton Senna was killed in the third race of the season, and probably would have won that race. Um, but seven world championships. If we're going to get into the whole "that's best car," it's not the best car gimmick. It's that that's convenient. The Jensen Button had the best car for a good part of the season, won a bunch of races. They didn't have the best car second half of the year because they had no more development because they ran out of money. He still won the world championship. People don't give shit to Jensen Button. You know, why? Because he's white. Um, they give shit to Lewis Hamilton because he's black and he has tats and he has a personality and they don't like the personality because he's black. The same way as people don't like Bubba Wallace's personality because he's black. The difference is Lewis Hamilton's won nearly 100 races and 100 polls and all these things. Um Bubba Wallace hasn't won or m- a major race since 2018. Um when he won at Bristol in a in a late model. So uh and he hasn't won a big three NASCAR race since 2017 in a truck, and then uh his one of his best friends promptly went and pranked him on his podcast. So it tells you where Bubba's career is in that sense. Uh, people move the goalposts on him. No matter what, and I'm sorry, I'm using it as a tangent, but it's a thing where uh, Mercedes isn't going away. Uh, they the Bahrain is a track where they've always been able to do well since the turbo hybrid era. Um, the track conditions were a joke at times during that test. Um, reliability wise, McLaren improved the engine. Is the the ice is good um and they're going to be a factor for sure and we'll get into that here but uh here in a moment but engine's good um car isn't stable on the back end but i think given some of the changes they can make between now and the race uh a little over a week from now um they can be in a position where they'll be in the They'll definitely be in the conversation. Maybe maybe Max goes out there and does what he did at Abu Dhabi, maybe. But I also think that Sergio Perez, with all the good vibes he has from winning at Bahrain a few months ago, uh, is going to be a factor. Red Bull was only having one car up there. So the notion of having two cars up there and being able to deviate strategies is also going to make Mercedes have to push and put them in a position where they have to come correct, because Botas has to show up, whichever version of Botas that we're at at this point in life, Lewis has to show up because he wants to win this world championship and make himself the greatest ever. Um, You're going to have to earn it here. We don't know how many races we're going to have in the Formula 1 world championship. Um, it's, I mean, they've been able to get through and have, they were able to finish world championship last year. Um, they've had to already make some changes to the calendar. Um, you know, we look at IndyCar and you look at NHRA, which we're going to get into a little bit with their schedule. They've already had to make some changes. IndyCar had to make changes. So I think formula one isn't going to have a 23 race calendar as it currently constituted. Um, So we will see how that works out, Um, how many races that you get to run. So every race is – you have to go in every race as though it's going to count. Well, it is – it does anyway, but you need to make every race count. Um, So Lewis Lewis doesn't do things half-assed. He's going to show up. Mercedes is going to show up uh, here next week at Bahrain. We'll get into that for sure in more of a preview of the season itself on the GSP in episode 53. Uh, We'll see if we may have a guest or not, but we'll definitely focus on formula one for sure. And what we're going to talk about here shortly in regards to Sebring and other racing series. Um, I think the next part is midfield. Um, McLaren is like right in the, I think they're right in between. They're trying to get there, get back to where they always used to be for many decades in the front line and they have a driver combination, I think makes them a frontline organization for the first time in a long time. Uh, the Mercedes power unit definitely puts them back a step above where they were. And they were able to do a lot of work with the Renault. And so, but they're on the top of the midfield. Of course you have Ferrari, uh, whatever they're going to be. Uh, you have Alpine, aka Renault, aka however many different iterations they've been uh you have alpha tori who definitely had a great test um for three days for both drivers especially their rookie who on uh, yuki Tsunoda is going to win by default because the two drivers he he's racing against is uh, putin haas uh f1 so there's no way that putin haas f1 is going to have any chance of um, doing anything um, because they suck. Um, And one driver in particular sucks at life and uh, the team sucks. I mean, it's just a whole level of suck. It's level similar to Haas CNC racing prior to Tony Stewart buying majority ownership. That's how bad they are. And you add the Putin element to it, so it's just it's just perfect uh typical gene Haas business uh decision there outside of making them damn cNC machines um, and then you also have um, aston martin racing point tracing point stroll f one uh whatever you want to call them uh they had a questionable Three, three days of testing for sure. But I guess, Josh, the, the point that we'll get into it more next week, but, I mean, this midfield, that was where the battle was last year. It's been that way kind of for a few years. But I think we might be seeing a little bit of a, a shift um, in regards to maybe some teams may be moving up, some teams maybe moving back. You know, I think that's where we have to look at here. Um, and Bahrain is a track that because of all the DRS zones and stuff like that, you're able to make some things happen. Um, what are you looking at? I mean, we'll get into it more, but what did you see from testing that that caught your eye and kind of thoughts on what you're thinking, at least initially, before we really get into it next week?
1: Well, just looking at uh, day three testing and kind of looking at the short run, I guess, like short pace speed that these teams had. And obviously Red Bull was the leaders on day three. And then Mercedes is like a half second back. And I'm looking at an article from .com for reference, but um, you know, McLaren was like right behind Mercedes um, on day three. So uh, I think that tells you a lot about the, the progress that they've made uh, in the last couple of years and going into this season. So uh, McLaren should be like, um, I, w- I would put them probably above midfield in that uh, the lowest of the top tier teams. So, you know, if you we were to rank them one to three, it'd be Mercedes and then Red Bull and then McLaren. So, um, I think McLaren definitely have a opportunity to move up into that. And then I think what's maybe surprising is uh, uh Ashton Martin, uh, being like kind of that um, top of the midfield team right there, um, you know, they they were like right behind McLaren, and then Alpine was, uh, aka Renault, was right behind them. So I, I think those two teams probably be the best of the midfield. And actually, I mean, you can also add in Alphatori right there. Uh, Yuki Sonoda is a really impressive rookie, he's uh, been impressive so far uh, in F2, being a junior development driver for uh, Red Bull um, in their program. So I think he'll quickly make his up make his way up into Red Bull eventually, but, uh, for now being on alphatori uh, he'll be really fast and, um, have a, a lot of, a lot of opportunities to, um, finish, uh, and get points, but, uh, I think they'll be up there too. And then I think after that, uh, Alfa Romeo and then Ferrari and Haas, uh, all kind of being in the same group, um, Ferrari and Haas, at least on, on pace, I think you'll probably see similar pace. I, I feel like, and that shouldn't be surprising. Um, You know, Haas does get uh, Ferrari engines, and, um, you know, Ferrari is still kind of in that rebuilding mode. Although they were better uh, the last uh, testing day, they did finish or they had uh, Carlos Sainz post the third fastest time there. So um, there was a little bit of improvement uh, for Ferrari, but I, I think they'll be better than what they were last season, but not quite up to the level that. Uh, we would normally expect from them where they were the second best team to Mercedes. So I, I think uh, they'll definitely still kind of be in that midfield now, like, you know, like we said, but um, you know, maybe some races they'll be a surprise and actually be competitive. And there's going to be other races where uh, they're not as competitive. Um, and then obviously Haas will probably be in the back or whatever. And then just Williams um, going to be uh, probably bringing up the caboose for the the field, not really that fast compared uh, to even Haas, so I, I think um, midfield battle should be interesting with Alpha Tori and Alpine and Austin Martin there.
0: yeah I, with I, I, mean, I agree with the McLaren moving up they're they're in between right now. Uh, there'll be races they'll probably be midfield looking. There will be other races where they're able to compete with the top two uh, with that engine and also Daniel Ricardo being there. Um, definitely a top five driver, arguably a top three driver in this sport. Um, if I, if we we're going to go and really get into it, it's Lewis, it's Max, and I think Daniel Ricardo is the third best driver in this series. It's not Charlotte Claire, It's not some of these other guys, it's Ricardo, um, because he's done it for a long time. He's been able to take cars that are not very good and do some work with them. Um, and I, and you put him there with the McLaren team that's on the upswing with Lando Norris, who is a hard charger, a, a guy I think that is on the rise as well dangerous combination especially going into 2022 with the new form regulations as well um and i think it's just a learning year for all parties there uh, with a lot of the new things that are going on in the midfield battle proper alpha tori i think is going to really take a step forward here in 2021 because of yuki Sonoda um being that hungry he has a lot of he has a lot of Takuma Sato in him and that aggression and that speed but he has the he has the ability he's, unlike Takuma Sato during basically his entire Formula 1 career and a lot of his IndyCar career until recently um, he has the Sonoda has the race craft and the patience, where he's gonna be able to get you that finish, he's not gonna go over that edge. And for Tori itself, they're they're looking at points. They're trying to look to move up that ladder. And you have Pierre Gasly who's just rolling with house money. He's going to Alpine uh, for sure. If if it isn't Alpine, I I kind of feel like. Uh, I mean, Ferrari already has two cars. I mean, Mercedes might be in play for him. He's one of the options. I think George Russell's going to be there. But um, Pierre Gasly's just rolling with house money right now. Uh, he's not going back to Red Bull proper. is uh, the most likely person to go up there um, if they don't keep Perez, but Perez isn't going to get dropped this year. They'll drop him after the one. They'll end his one-year contract. They'll bring up Sonoda, um, and Sonoda is going to have to accept being the number two at that point. I don't think they want to bury him that way, but you know, now once Red Bull takes over the Honda program, it won't really matter at that point. But uh, and then you also have Jahan Daruvula, uh the Indian driver. Uh, you. Hopefully he has a good year in F2 and he can go and have an Indian driver that can actually drive in Formula 1. That would be cool. Um, But I think that will be a whole new deal there at AlphaTori because of what they do this year. Um, Alpine will be interesting because of Fred. Um, What is he going to bring? What is he going to do? He's one of the greatest that we've seen in the past. 15 years um and he's lived off those two world championships for all those years and has had a lot of sketchy stuff ever since at times and then at other times he's shown why he's one of the greatest drivers ever um he's one of the greatest spanish drivers ever i mean it's basically him and carlos signs uh senior and that's it you know like in regards to card racing Motorcycle racing different uh, story, but the Aston Martin team, I have no idea what they're gonna do. Uh for you got Sebastian Vettel who flamed out of Ferrari to the point where he was not even a factor and looked like he had no business being out there at times, and then other times you don't even know if he cared. Um, he was he had like I don't know how many different Ferrari drivers he had. He had Alan Prost stuff going on, he had Mansell, he had I I don't know what he's gonna bring. And Stroll Stroll. Um he he's a tool. Uh he's the Noah Gregson of Formula One. Um, or maybe that's that's Maz Marzipan, but um neither of them are appealing. Um that team is gonna have decent looking cars, but they're probably not gonna be up there, you know which is a disappointment when you consider where they were they're Basically, framework of what they had last year at this time, how little they got out of it. Um, it's going to be a problem unless they are planning on 22, which is what uh, Putin Haas F1 is doing. Uh, but that's not going to, matter they're not going to come with a car unless they come up with some trick within the rule book a la you know, whatever, uh, what do you call, what's his name, Um, Braun F1 and Red Bull and Williams when they had that blown diffuser, double diffuser deal in 2009. Uh, Unless there's some sort of loophole, there's no way that um, Haas is going to be a factor. Um, There's not enough Putin money in there to make them a factor. And you add the fact that Marzipan. Um, is probably going to get his ass kicked. At some point this year. Um, they're, they're, I don't know where, what their direction is. Uh, Pietro Fittipaldi. Credit to him. Angling the third driver role. And then being able to drive. I mean he's driving for quite a quality combination. He's driving for Gene Haas. Marzipan's dad. And Rick Ware. Um and Dale Coin. If you want to talk about four interesting characters, and Annie's banging out Chad Little's daughter. So that that I mean we need to do some intel on that deal. We need to probably have some time on one of these episodes to talk about Pietro Fittipaldi's uh career arc for sure. But he's gonna be on deck when um Nikita Marzipan gets his ass beat and gets like put into like a whatever like this somebody somebody's gonna kick the living crap out of him because he does not know how to drive a race car properly he is like gagson he is riley herbst he's joe graf junior um insert terrible race car driver um you know like natalie decker you know like whatever like just absolute tool or Terrible personality, you know. I don't know, like, oh my god, we don't even mention him on the other show. That's why I had to come up with Putin Haas because that's the only way you can talk about him. But, but oh, fuck, I mean, yeah, Williams, I think, is going to take a step forward. Doritos put some money into those cars. Russell wants to prove himself before he gets to move out the door. Um. I don't think Alfa Romeo is going to do much of anything. anything. Um, I think Haas F1 at the end of the day, Putin Haas is going to be the worst team this year. Um, I think Williams will make at least get above 10th, um, may even get to eighth. Uh, I think Aston Martin is going to take a huge drop and we'll go from there um, in regards to. Formula One. Uh we have the yeah, we have to talk about well, that's something a mountain bike crash for Shane Van Gisberg and of the two races at uh at uh, Bathurst. And uh you know, read right about Sean Bradley paralyzed because somebody ran over him on, while he was riding a bike, which is pretty brutal to read. Um the former uh Philadelphia 76er and Dallas Mavericks center, seven foot six, uh, player out of BYU and Latter-day Saint himself, just like, uh, my favorite player, Steve Young. Uh, so thoughts and prayers to Sean Bradley and his family, this tough time and we'll see about Shane Van Gisbert, there right? there'll be running at sand down this weekend for the supercars, uh, We'll uh, talk about the Gator Nationals, yeah. So, Josh Hart won in Top Fuel. Uh, Josh, you said first driver to win a in his first start in twenty years. Oh, yeah, it's Daryl Russell. Or um, yeah, it was Daryl Russell in two thousand one at the Winter Nationals uh, for Joe Amato's team. The late Daryl Russell and um, Sean Langdon. Sean Langdon there, so former world champion Sean Langdon, and you had uh Pro Stock, which was Greg Anderson, 60th win, uh, or 95th win, or yeah, 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 he's turned 60. It was his 95th win. Uh, so credit to that. Uh, he's a tool. wife has got great rack. Um Matt Smith, being a wife and a great rack, uh, wins another pro stock motorcycle race because you know that's what he seems to do these days. Uh, Jr. Todd, funny cars. Uh, I don't know. Did you uh, take in anything in regards to the NHRA? Because unfortunately, I guess we're guilty of it. This past weekend, we were we were out the door in regards to some of these races here, but. I mean, the GITS NHRA, it's early in the season. You know, you have JR Todd beat Robert Height. Of course, Robert Height returning. Uh, The John Force Racing team uh, returned for the first time uh, since 2019. Yeah, Cruz Pentagon actually made the, the semifinals along with Bob Tasca. So, interesting turnaround, of course. Defending champion in the funny car category, Jack Beckman is not racing this year. Uh, they had no sponsorship. Uh, you have what is it? Tommy Johnson Jr. Of course, isn't there anymore either. So it's kind of tightened up the field a bit uh, in regards to who's there. You know, you got Wilker's in Bobby. Oh, so now Bob Bodie quit. So Bobby Bodie. There you go. Um, Ron Caps is literally the only DSR funny car. Hmm. And then there's like four top fuel cars or three top fuel cars for DSR between um Leah Pruitt, aka Smoke Side Piece, um, yeah, Van Trom Brown, our Jersey Boy, uh, who's kind of deviating into his own deal, and then Tony Schumacher. Who will be running full time this year, first time in a few years, so that'll be. uh, They had a full field, which is something considering losing a couple of big, big name drivers there. Blake Alexander, he's driving the Jim Head car. Chad Green, Um, yeah. What did you uh, take in, Josh, in regards to the Gator Nationals? And yeah, Josh Hart doing something that hadn't been done in 20 years, Daryl Russell uh, winning is uh, to, to winning your top field debut.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, I was kind of out to lunch like you were uh, this weekend. Uh, so I didn't really catch too much of it, but I, mean, I have to say Josh Hart is pretty impressive. On, uh first start 20 years uh, or to win in the first start in uh, the series in 20 years. And, uh, beating Sean Langdon their final round. Um, and not only is he a Florida guy, but he's also an Ocala guy, which is uh, about 45 minutes away from Gainesville. And, you know, it's a Don Garlits country uh, in terms of drag racing uh, in uh, NHRA. And uh, so that's kind of uh popular win in, from that angle, I guess, or at least an interesting win, but um, uh, didn't really catch too much of it overall, but still, uh it was uh impressive, I guess, and um Tony Stewart's girlfriend lost uh an eliminator uh round two i guess to sean Langdon there um so unfortunate for her maybe uh could have had a little bit better luck there or something and maybe maybe she could have been in the finals eventually, but uh we didn't get to see that so um maybe next year maybe next time for uh leah Pruitt there, but um not really too much to take away but uh It was definitely a good win there for Josh Hart
0: yeah that's to do something that you know in terms of top fuel i mean the way n h r a is these days i mean even though you have of course you think about um market is trying to sponsor anybody i mean this weekend at the truck series race, every, anybody that needs sponsors and have overtons on their truck probably um it tells you how good of a promoter he is. Um, he wants the same in the NHRA camping world series, which is the pro, those pro categories. He wants to do the same thing. So credit to Marcus Limonis for being a, a great spokesperson and great person in regards to motorsport uh, on that angle. Yeah, Pruitt didn't have as much fortune in regards to being able to go and, and make it in, uh losing to Langdon, but then Langdon ends up going and beating Antron Brown and uh but he then ended up losing to Josh Hart. So you know it's something uh, funny car with J.R. Todd as you know, beating Robert Height, and before that Cruz Pentagon. Then in pro stock, you have beat it. you have Greg Anderson beating Troy Coughlin Jr., the former Pro Mod driver. Um, his dad, of course, ran in pro stock. Uh, you know, and now he's in this series. He's driving his uncle uh, Jed Coughlin's car, and the beat Mason Magee, who's the son of uh, Chris um, Maggot sympathizers. Both of them, but. Uh Troy Coughlin Jr. got that win. Derek Kramer ends up losing to um Anderson on the yeah, he, he beat him. He he Anderson beat him uh handling there. Um other than that, you got Kyle. So Kenny Koretsky's kid there, Fernando Quadra, Alex Laughlin, Matt Hartford. So You know, Pro Stock, I'm trying to see what the heck happened to, what's her name, that other sympathizing whore. Uh, Fernando Quadro treed, um, Fernando Quadro Jr. treed Erica Enders, which that's something, uh, that is something. I mean, she's been treed plenty of times in other ways, but um, to to go and she's known as a great uh, start line. Uh, driver and to go and lose on the tree is, is something there, but I'm sure she'll get that corrected for whenever the heck the next time they race. Uh, you've got Scotty Paulcheck, Carrot Stopher, of course, Angie Smith lost because Steve Johnson, a legend, Angel Sampe, Ryan Ayler, Bostick, Matt Smith, Jimmy Underdahl, Trying to see who Ayler you know, beat Scotty Pol- Scotty Polichak and Matt Smith beat Steve Johnson in the semifinals. So, yeah, so that's the NHRA. There, we won't have a race probably as it stands right now. We're not going to have a race for a month. Um, the the next guaranteed race is the Denso plugs four wide nationals at Las Vegas, which will be um in a month's time, basically. So it'll be a little bit of a break there in regards to the NHRA series, um, big the pro series at least. Um let's see there. We will get into the 12 Hours of Sebring now, um, in terms of the prototype category, it's a, it's a little smaller field compared to the Rolex um, with some of the European cars not showing up here. And, um, and that's, that's fine, and you, you get that. You have supercars. and sand down, which kind of like combine the 12 hours of seabring in regards to um the roundup. And you have because that's kind of, it kind of works into it. So 12 hours Sebring, you have sand down for the supercars, um, along with the other things we'll talk about in the roundup as well. Um, my thing, I, I brought up what we were talking about off offline Josh is um the jimmy johnson car the 48 and uh you know simon pagino kamui kobayashi those two guys of course have won major sports car races and their time whether it's lamar or whatever even Daytona or whatever uh, jimmy of course transitioning out of cup to um being a road racer full time. Uh, Carr, of course, and his team won a couple weeks ago in Las Vegas. Um, but that notwithstanding, of course, they finished second in the Rolex 24. Um, and that was a really good run. And, uh, my, my thing is, when you consider the kind of talent and, and depth there is, it's, it's not it's a smaller field, but quality field. Are are they a factor here? Can they go out there and win the twelve hours of Sebring on uh, Saturday night? Or are we? Is it just a pipe dream? And they're probably because they don't have as much time and they need Jimmy to. I mean, I guess he's going to do his minimum drive time, whatever. He's probably gonna run a couple hours, but are are is it is it more of a pipe dream or is it a realistic possibility that the forty eight car could be? on the top step of the podium come Saturday night at Seabrook?
1: I'm not sure. I mean, I, it, in the right situation, uh, they definitely could be uh, on the top podium there on the top there, but uh, it's, it's uh, hard to say. Jimmy doesn't have as much experience as they do. And uh, as Camille Kobayashi and uh, Simon Pagino there, but it's definitely possible. I mean, Jimmy's a, A hardworking guy, he'll definitely um, be willing to put in as much time as he needs to, and as he's probably has been trying to prepare for this race. But uh, I feel like they will be carrying the weight for him, kind of like at the Rolex 24 in a way. But they won't have uh, Mike Rockenfeller there as as well. But still, um, I could still see them potentially finishing uh, somewhere on the podium. I don't know about first, but you know, maybe second or third. Uh, on the podium but uh i think you also have to focus on uh Chip Ganassi and the zero one car with you know van Der Zand, uh magnuson and scott dixon um they were uh having a chance there at the end of the rolex 24 uh with uh against uh ricky taylor and Felipe Albuquerque and alexander rossi but uh you know they ended up having a tire failure with like 10 minutes to go Uh, Like we talked about on past podcasts, but uh, I think there will be a factor. Uh, I think Magnuson probably has a lot of pressure uh, to go out and perform in this race. Um, uh, You know, Ricky Taylor and uh, Wayne Taylor racing, they're definitely going to be, I mean, I'm not going to say a favorite, but they'll definitely be a a heavyweight in this race. Um, uh, Felipe Nazar, Mike Conway, Pipo Durrani, and Willing Engineering Car, they'll be a factor as well. Um, I mean, you can really say like almost all of the DPI cars would be a factor um, based on what we saw in the Rolex 24. Um, I feel like even though it is a little bit of a smaller field, I feel like it's going to be similar in terms of the uh, level of competition that we saw from that race. So definitely think that um, it's going to be a, a kind of similar race to what we saw in, at, at the Rolex 24. Um, so I think it should be very exciting to see. Um, how the strategies are going to play out um, who's going to be fighting who for the lead. Um, I feel like probably at the end, like if you were to pick like a, a potential podium, I'd probably go with uh, the zero one, the 10, and then probably the uh, the, the 48 uh, with um, ally and uh, Cadillac, but uh, we'll see what happens. And, um, you know, we haven't really seen a whole bunch from uh, Mazda uh and, and same kind of with uh meyer shank but they could definitely be a factor as well so um i feel like it's definitely uh gonna be i wouldn't say uh, like unpredictable like the rolex 24 but it's definitely gonna be uh something very similar to what we saw there
0: yeah i think we're we don't really know i think though, of course a lot of practice and, uh qualifying because unlike nascar every other motorsports series actually knows how to run a proper race. Uh, So, you know, maybe Mazda shows up. They only have one car compared to where they've been the last few years. The Acura program has not been able to show up and be as competitive at the longer races when they were with Penske. But now that they are with Wayne Taylor's team, of course, they were up there, um, ends up winning the race um, at the Rolex. And then you have yeah, Meyer Shank, of course, was getting their first race with that program going um in the prototype program for the first time in a few years. Um, maybe they are able to refine some things and put themselves in a position uh to compete. And then the Cadillacs have been uh able to do very well in these Enduros in general. Um the Ganassi car, I think, as Josh said, is gonna be a factor for sure. When you have Renger van der Zanda um, and Kevin Magnuson and Dixon, I mean, that's for a three driver lineup. I That's the pound for pound up there. And in regards to the kind of talent ability um, potential and just, um, of course, when Scott Dixon is one of the greatest drivers I've ever been and one of the best drivers in the last 20 years, in, in motorsports so something to see Ganassi having more time to refine that car what are they going to be able to do there and you can count out we the 31 car with Pippo Durrani Pippo effing Durrani and that whole group uh, so it is, we, we'll definitely see that it's going to be a race all the way to the end I would think there's no way that that deal is going to be boring uh for sure um outside of outside of that i mean we have the gtd because the the gt lamar um category is not really uh going to um do anything there they're gonna have, that's corvette even with the new pain schemes, they're still gonna win. Um so there's not much to talk about there. Um when you think about uh you go and think about the LMP3 category. I figure that's not gonna be much of anything. Um in in terms of the uh I'm not even showing that here as upcoming or Live now, maybe it's in live now. Oh, uh, yeah, I am so okay. So, I'm just trying to bring up field there. I mean, you Races, and I mean, the I think the racetrack, based on how rough it's gonna, it always is at Sebring, is gonna mean more attrition, um, in regards to um, the. The uh, the racing and the ability there'll be more cautions uh, there even though there are a lot of cautions in the Rolex uh, compared to uh, the year before. Um, I mean, there's going to be uh, it's uh, it's going to be a tough race for sure. Um, LMP two and LMP three will will um, be tight uh but you know you have to look at the Euro motorsport number 18 the 74 Riley murder Motor, motorsports LMP3 those cars at one at Daytona are definitely the the favorite to go and repeat going into the um 12 hours of Sebring um as it stands And uh, we'll go over that um, next week here on the GSP. Um, Next thing we'll talk about will be the roundup, GSP roundup. Supercars will be racing at Sandown, uh, former uh, enduro track for the Supercars championship. Uh, Used to hold the Sandown 500, which depending on where it was, would either land before or after the Bathurst 1000. Um, they'll be running there now because of the COVID uh, protocols. And uh, Shea Vegas, we're going to start a season with a couple of wins at um, Bathurst, uh, was injured in a mountain biking accident. Uh, but it sounds like he's going to give it a shot to try to go and race at uh the um, sand down race, and they'll have three races there. He says um, there he's going to drive. Yesterday, it said that uh, that he was able to drive, or he's going to try to drive. And um, whether that comes off or not, I guess we'll find out, and it'll be something that we'll get into um, in in more detail he um, tells race two and race three it's like how the heck do you have race two and race three when you have only two races there but whatever Um Tony D.L. Bert is confirmed a return of oh okay so he's going to be um he's going to be the co-driver as it stands Scott McLaughlin meant to be returning a pair of Will Davis and our changes in the that plan I mean, this feasible to deal where Davidson and Anthony as fine and Alex Davidson's fine. will okay. Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. Thinking about some of the co-driver spots for the uh, bathers for all the Enduros. So that'll be something that we'll look at too later on. Um, Josh, you said you saw something in regards to I wanted to throw to you on that. You said something about Corvette going back to Lama. Is that in a prototype cat as a prototype deal, or is you're just talking about them in GT because after this year they won't have a GT LAMA program?
1: Yeah, I I was reading that earlier uh in let's see, w, WEC. Yeah, Corvette uh, was reported on on Racer and uh, Corvette going back to L- Lamar. Uh, they, uh, they say, they say what class, but I mean, I, I guess it's under GTE. So it's, you know, they're not going like some other class or whatever, but they <clears> hadn't <throat> been in Lamar's the past couple of years, I guess. Yeah. Now they're returning. And, um, I mean, we're going to basically see the Corvette racing team there with, uh, their two cars and, uh, they're going to debut the C8 R, uh, on the european level and they'll have you know antonio garcia jordan taylor nikki Katzberg, and then the other cars is going to have tommy milner nikki tandy and uh alexander sims and uh 63 and number 64 corvettes so you know i thought that was a little interesting there um because they hadn't been there in the last couple of years um felt like uh, kind of the battle uh between them and ford and the ford gt i felt like that was maybe a little bit interesting with the uh, american cars Uh, getting into the uh, GT category of uh, Le Mans when they um, kind of competed off and on there. So I, you know, I just wanted to bring that one up. Um, You know, I thought it was interesting and, you know, hopefully uh, they can match up well against uh, some of the European teams in that category. Um, And um, I'm not sure if they're going to get a win or not, but it would definitely be interesting. Like if they were able to place well and potentially get like a podium there up at
0: Le Mans. Yeah. And their last run with the GTE category, I think it will be, uh, that's what they want to do. Go back to Lamar, get one last run there after 20 years of running there, more or less the better part of 20 years, um, get one last win. Of course, Aston Martin and Ferrari are going to have something to say about that in regards to the GTE pro, um, in, um, the iRacing Challenge is going to start again for the Indy Cars. And they're going to be running at Circuit Jill Villeneuve uh, tomorrow night um, in the IndyCar Challenge. And there seems to be, it isn't the full field of IndyCar car drivers or some uh outsiders, some I think sim veteran types and three yeah. Rick Ware racing cars, which is just beautiful. <laughs> um
1: well it's just the paint job they all
0: gonna drive the same car in iRacing yeah so i mean whatever it's it's still brickware uh racing cars so um i mean davis whatever james davison will probably be whinging like willpower um grosjean will probably run over somebody and uh, i forget i think the 52 was pietro so pietro probably will stand out there um But I don't know. Did you get to look at the? I was just looking at it myself. I was just looking at the, the grid for tomorrow night's race. I think it's going to be a Penske benefit between uh, Scott McLaughlin, who's now making his, applying his trade here in the United States, along with Will Power. I think they're going to be the cars to beat um, tomorrow night in regards to circuit. Gilles Villeneuve. I'm trying to think of any of the other guys that were in that list. Just, you know what, might as well bring it up here and go and look at it. Um, I was trying to look for the, because of the IMSA website, I was trying to look at the freaking entry list for the 12 Hours of Sebring but their website sucks so bad that can't barely find anything on there. Um, Yeah.
1: I've got the article here. I mean, I don't know about the full entry list, but you know, Newgarden is gonna be there. RHR, yeah. uh Simon, Willpower, Power, uh, Taku Sato, uh, Felix Rosenquest, Graham Ray Hall at Carpenter, Pato Award, Alex Palou, uh, Connor Daly. That's gonna be an entertaining stream for sure. I've um, yep. seen his streams in the past that was entertaining. Uh, Scott McLaughlin uh will be in it. Uh Roman R- Romain Grosjean. Um, and then they're also gonna feature a driver from uh the road to indy uh so i think that'll be interesting the they'll have a chance to actually compete virtually uh against uh the real life indy car drivers so get a taste of what the next level should be um i don't know who that driver is um an article doesn't say but um, Braden eaves yeah yeah so that should be good for him um i don't know who that is actually but uh um having opportunity to compete against uh Real-life uh, IndyCar drivers on on the sim should be an interesting experience, and you know, they're going to go to uh, Circuit Gilville Villeneuve, which has always been an interesting track. Uh, at least in the NASCAR races there, um, they've had some good kart races there. uh, the one, maybe not as much, but uh, definitely a very very uh, challenging track. Um, we'll see how the feedback goes internally from the drivers. Uh, I know. Uh, last year, Scott Dixon had some uh, criticisms about the iRacing physics model on uh, there on their forums. I think or somewhere I forgot where he criticized it, and uh, I think iRacing wasn't happy about it, um, and they were threatening to uh, prohibit criticism. Um, from what I was able to hear, um, they kind of did a similar thing with uh, the NASCAR series, and a lot of drivers were unhappy about how the physics model behaved for the cup car at homestead um uh there was uh there's a lot of chrisms internally with iRacing but you know i'm just there to have fun um and and you know stream and stuff like that but uh with with that we'll we'll see how that race goes it should be entertaining we'll see some shenanigans and stuff come about um so uh, you know, we'll see how seriously the drivers take it. I know in some of the sim racing deals that they did last year and broadcast, uh, not all the drivers took it seriously, but I, I do feel like the, the IndyCar ones were, uh, definitely one of the more like professional, I guess, and wasn't quite as much of a circus, but, you know, we still had some, uh, shenanigans, especially with the, the Indianapolis, uh, simulation that they did last year with how that race ended, um, with, uh, uh, I forgot who wrecked but uh, Santino, leaders, yeah, Santino went wrecked them. went yeah.
0: went and wrecked uh, Oliver Askew so yeah
1: yeah so uh should be interesting and then uh after that they'll go to Homestead so um should be on the real oval but uh like like we talked about before but uh and then, and then they're going to have the fan voted track um uh, leading into the uh season opener at Barber so we'll see which one's that I mean I I would go for Talladega or something insane or maybe the uh, the Coca Cola or the iRacing Super Speedway, um, and we, we can see a uh, 240 miles an hour IndyCar car racing, and they can just like, as soon as they spin out, they'll pirouette into the air and uh, break the break the game. Uh, yeah. Because um, you know if you fly up into the air, there's like a certain point where basically like the game just like resets you back to the pits. <laughs> yeah. So that should be funny. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, uh, they'll they'll have a fan vote for that. So. Uh not sure which tracks they're gonna pick out, but uh definitely uh well you can go on any car's racing, uh any car's uh social media uh sites and see which track they picked out. So um should be interesting.
0: Yeah, hopefully they pick Bathurst or something. That'd be cool. Uh so yeah. tight and narrow would be insane or some sort of track that's like really, really you would consider um not likely to, I mean, indie cars run like crazy street courses, so they could, uh, run a lot of different types of tracks. I mean, they're going to run Homestead, Miami, so that'll be cool. So you'll get your good road course you'll have, which is a street course then you'll have or uh, oval and then you could have a permanent road course as well. Um, that'll be on April 1st that, uh, fan vote race um the homestead miami will be run uh, next next thursday Thursday. and then yeah the fan vote race will be april 1st which will be just uh two and a half weeks before season over at opener at baba um and you'll have i mean they're showing liveries of some of the cars it doesn't sound like there's some of the big Time drivers aren't they haven't shown their livery. I mean, Sage Karam's driving the '98 car, um, for his butt buddy, um, Marco Braden Eves, who's running, I think, probably running Indy. If he isn't running Indy Lights, he's gonna be running, yeah, the Indy Pro 2000. So he's an Indy Pro 2000 guy. It looks like he's like maybe 15 years old, whatever the hell. Look more older and probably older than sixteen or seventeen. So he's a he's a kid that's on the up and up up and coming d- deal there, and that'll be cool to see him. Jimbo Kimball driving for AJ Foyt's team, um, no fourteen car there. It's showing on this list or whatever spotter guide um, doesn't show a whole field. Maybe there are going to be more cars, but. I uh, guess we'll find out about that more tomorrow night. Um, yeah, V8s will be running at Sandown. Uh, full field there in regards to the um, Ford versus Holden battle that will will go on here for last time this year before the new Gen 3 Formula comes in and it'll be Ford Versus Chevy just like NASCAR Um, With that We'll go into The previews of all three Races at Atlanta Motor Speedway Um, Who knows maybe it might Be the last time that Atlanta Motor Speedway is The way it is with the dog leg Maybe they're going to actually go and put it Back to the way it used to be At Atlanta um, with the long oval with the huge turns and um, you know we'll set new track records and a whole bit and it'll be a one groove racetrack but we'll find that out in more detail um, uh, maybe later on this year um, in terms of the truck series you got FR8 Auction the FR8 Auctions 200 at Atlanta, which will be Saturday afternoon, and then they'll have the Xfinity race after that. Um, there's 40 trucks. Ross Jastain will be starting tailback. Spencer Davis, who makes the field, you have Brian Ellis who can't Dry, Brett Holmes driving number 32, Corey Roper, you know, Bill Lester at age 60. Um, Making a return to the truck series. Um, Krause Ingram, there are back. Dawson Cram, former guest on this show, next to noted swallower Haley Deegan. Um, Chase Purdy, rookie. Looking at some of these other people, John Kyle Bush will be starting on the front row, so that's convenient. Um, with his uh, teammate John R. Nemacek. Crafton, uh, craft and freeze and roads hill Austin Hills, Zane Smith Sheldon Creed Todd Gill and brett Moffitt so the the easier question is I mean you figure I've I've gotten to a point when it comes to Xfinity and trucks that I figure Kyle Bush is gonna win even though he didn't win the last race. I'm just gonna assume he's gonna win. So under the assumption that he is gonna win um then it's one thing but if it wasn't Kyle Bush who do you pick, Josh, and um, who do you look at as a dark horse pick to go and somehow or another beat Kyle Bush in a truck at Atlanta?
1: Well, I think for me uh I'm gonna go with uh, John Hunter Nietaick again go for the back to back repeat from last week and win our last short series race and go and win here at Atlanta um, you know last year in this race, uh, Kyle Bush did not. Uh, well, he—I he, think he led a lot of the race, but then ended up having like a mechanical failure or a tire failure or something, and ended up not winning uh, at all uh, that that entire weekend. Um, so I, I could see something similar happen. Um, not really too high on Kyle Busch winning, actually, because of that history. And the last race uh, didn't end up winning that one either, um, and John Hunter Nemechek won instead. So uh, I could see uh, Hunter Nemechek going out and repeating uh, in this race. And I think maybe a wild card, uh, somebody like Austin Hill, uh, I feel like he probably could have been, uh, better at this race last year. Um, uh, and I feel like maybe this time around, uh, they'll actually get a good finish here. Uh, so we'll see, um, and Sheldon Creed probably will be another factor in this race, but, um, definitely, um, I think John Henry check, probably the guy to watch overall besides Kyle Busch.
0: I think you took license on wild card there by picking Austin Hill when you consider he had a chance to win this race last year. And I think it was a caution or a couple of cautions late that probably cost him. Uh But I mean, while allowed, it's kind of like the, ta- the talking in circles fantasy game too. Who's a dark horse or who isn't a dark horse. Um, for me, uh if it is a Kyle Busch, I think it's Sheldon Creed. Um, he's been able to win on any type of racetrack, really. So I think Sheldon Creed goes and opens up his uh, 2021 win uh, column here at Atlanta. If it isn't Kyle Busch. In regards to a dark horse, since you took license with with um, Austin Hill, I'm going to take license with Grant Enfinger because he's not running a full season. He's starting 19th. He doesn't have a great pit position. He's a driver that, um, he knows how to run these rougher racetracks. Uh, this, uh, track probably is going to suit him or has suited him over time. Uh, I think, um, he is a factor, somebody that will be able to make a drive up and possibly go out there and win, even though he's not running a full season. Um, in the truck series. Go to the Xfinity race, the Echo Park 250 um at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, our team takes um, advantage. Cindric will be on pole with Jeb Burton, AJ Almaninger, Brandon Brown, Harrison Burton, top five, guy herbs Moffitt, Snyder, Clemens. Your top 10, Santucci, starting 12th. That's something. Truax is in this race. He'll be in the 54. Um, Josh Berry, 22nd. Yeah, some other guys there. There's only mm-hmm. Russell. the... They have 43 cars for 40 spots. Ronnie Bassett, Jr., Jordan Anderson, Annie Lally. They'll qualify. I um, even though there's... Qualifying, uh, Brian Sieg is pretty far down there. Far down there, um, a couple other guys. Gagson starting thirtieth. Um, yeah, I guess the well, well. I'm going to preface it this way: um, if it isn't, if it isn't Martin Truex Jr., who I don't even remember the last time you ran an Xfinity race, but. If it isn't Martin Truex Jr. in the 54 or Austin Sendrick, um, who do you look at as a favorite and a, a dark horse pick? And I think I, I just thought about it and I think I might have parked it for you there in terms of your favorite <laughs> since there's somebody that's right on top that that really stands out to me um, based on recent history there.
1: Yeah, I think you're probably talking about A.J. Almendinger. He won this race last year um, and then this year winning at Las Vegas. And it's been somewhat pretty good so far this year in the Xfinity Series. And I think he has definitely got a great chance to win this race uh, come on Saturday. Uh, so I think that would be my pick. Um, I think wildcard, that's a, you know, a little tough, but there's a lot of guys there. But, you know, uh could say somebody like Brandon Brown, but he's starting to get into that uh, category where he isn't really a wild card anymore. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Jeremy Clements. Uh, we'll see what he can do in this race. Um, you know, I based on the, the qualifying algorithm and all that stuff, and um, he's starting 10th, uh, should be a solid top 10 maybe, maybe a top 15. So look out for Jeremy Clements to try to get a, a, a decent finish there with a single card team. Not really any real sponsorships, so uh, we'll see what he can do.
0: Yeah, I mean, Brandon Brown, I think, still kind of lands there, uh, but I'll just take that. If you want to take Jeremy Clements, I'll take Brandon Brown there as my wild card. Um, anybody who's single-car or mom-and-pop organization at this point, uh, I think, whether you're up there in points or not I mean, how many races were in the season I think this shoddier portion Of the season might actually help The likes of uh, The Brandon Brown or Jeremy Clemens uh, You know, some of those Teams that are trying to make this back Into the playoff uh, You know, Tommy Joe Martins is another One uh, That might, team that might be able To benefit from that um, You know, some of the smaller organizations Like JD which has taken them a step backwards or two since Ross Justine left the organization, Um, MDM, you know, those kind of teams. Uh, But, yeah, I'll take Brandon Brown on that sense. In regards to a favorite, if it isn't Truax or Gumby, I'm going to, and, of course, you picked AJ. I parked that one. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Danny Lambert. Um, it's his kind of racetrack, rough, uh, abrasive. You have to be able to race on the long run, make it work over the, I mean, it's one of the longer races in the Xfinity series. Um, it's his kind of race and you got Gibbs equipment, you know, when it, at some point he's going to win a race, I, I don't know how the heck he hasn't won uh, a race, uh, but they, the I forget who said it on Twitter or somebody, and I know, or maybe you said it, you know, like how he's not that aggressive, and fundamentally, that's probably why he hasn't won yet, because he hasn't been willing to move somebody over, or move somebody out of the way. Uh, in this spot, I think, you know, you need a win uh, to – Not because there's going to be more than 12 winners in Xfinity. I think for him, if he wins one race, it could open up the floodgate, similar to what happened with Chase Briscoe last year. Um, Whether that means he's going to have a sponsor and be able to move up the cup in a really good ride is a whole other discussion. But I think Emmerich's the guy, if it isn't Truex or Gumby. Uh, Cup Series race, though, will be a little more difficult. Uh, because of how deep the field theoretically is. Uh, going into Atlanta Motor Speedway, Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 sees the um, 11 of uh, Denny Hamlin start on pole with Truex in second, the Penske cars of Logano and Keselowski, then Hendrick cars of Elliott and Larson Row 3, Harvick, who's an Atlanta expert and Christopher Bell in row four, Byron and Blaney. So that's that's a tough one for um, Aaron uh, there in row five. In regards to, oh, look, Gumby's actually racing in this race. That's something I didn't know that. So Gumby's going to actually be starting tailback in um, the tech Ford number 33. Uh, you have uh, some other people. I'm look at... Tyler Reddick will be really buried. He'll probably be running the fence within like 10 laps. Briscoe 24th. Got mm-hmm. yeah. Kyle Bush and Ross Chastain are be one behind the other. So that'll be something. Um yeah, I mean, this this one is gonna be a little bit more. Difficult to pick. There are guys that over time have been great at Atlanta one in particular, but um, is it Harvick for you? Or if it isn't Harvick, who is it in terms of a favorite? Gosh. And then I think the wild cards, it's a lot harder. Um, I think the notion of anybody that's currently outside of the top 16 points it probably plays in regards to who's a wild card uh, here uh, going into Sunday at Atlanta.
1: Well, it's, you're right. It is a little tough to pick the Cup Series his race. Uh, you know, we got guys that have been good in the past at Atlanta, like Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, obviously uh, been really good at Atlanta um, the way he's been able to hug the yellow line and uh, put his car right there on, on the paint as he goes in the corners and, um seems like uh lately the bottom has really been the dominant lane uh compared to the top so uh, i think with with this race uh i mean it's really hard and i'm gonna go with kyle larson you know i i feel like with uh the way he's been able to uh drive this year uh what how he was at uh, homestead and you know las vegas uh those tracks are also pretty rough. Uh, Las Vegas, not as much, but still kind of kind of a rough track. So I'm, I'm going to go with him uh, winning this race. I uh, feel like Harvick just uh, isn't quite there this year. Um, and also, uh, even though he did win this race, um, just feel like they're not quite on their A game quite yet. Uh, Brad Keselowski, uh, he, he could be another factor, but um, just don't see it quite in him just yet. So I'm going to go with Larson. Um, I think, you know, a, a wild card, uh, I'm going to go with, with, uh, bubble Wallace. Why not? I'll go with Bubba and, um, you know, he got his best finish of the season last week. Um, I, I feel like he can be pretty good at Atlanta. Um, last year, I felt like he had a good finish. Um, obviously after the race it was a little overheated, uh, but I, I think it'll be a little bit different for him this year. Maybe they can go out and get their team's first top 10 or get a, a top 15 finish. So. Um, Hopefully, you know Bubba Wallace can get a good result on Sunday.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, former Coca Cola driver. I'm trying to look at which what who's the sponsor is McDonald's, so that's something. um they, I think Bubba's uh, due to have a decent run, top fifteen, solid all day, and positioning is in a in his favor. uh Wheeler, who knows what he's gonna do, but I think. Atlanta's an opportunity for sure for Bubba to go and get that top 15 finish. Um, I'm going to go and stay in that realm in terms of who's my favorite pick. And I'm taking this based on, you know, the USAC uh, skills. Uh, I picked Brad in the, on talking in circles along with, um, who I'm going to end up picking as my wild card. But in this case, I'm going to deviate. I'm going to pick Chris Bell um, for the win at Atlanta in the 20 car. And then the dark horse pick will be Tyler Reddick, who's starting pretty far back and um, needs another good run to kind of put himself back in the points race um, in 21 twenty twenty one cup series season. Um with uh with all that done, we will get into the um last part of the show, which will have um Josh kind of take over because it's uh sim racing time. We did some sim talk in regards to um, the uh, the indie cars and but Josh is in a great sim racer himself. And we'll uh throw to you in regards to some of your exploits and what are things going on um here, not only last week, but going into this week.
1: Yeah, last week on iRacing was uh the infamous uh week 13 series. Uh the ARCA, I did well, I did a little of stock cars uh, last week, and it was uh the ARCA tube twister series, which is basically just arco racing on road courses and just did the daytona road course and uh the uh, charlotte rovals there um uh, didn't really get too much of a good result there but it's all for fun um and there's a opportunity to just go for broke uh and not really worry about anything obviously don't be too aggressive or reckless but you know don't have to worry about like uh crashing or taking incident points anywhere um so that's really what i was able to do on week 13 but then also uh, the E-Racer GG uh, community events. Um, E-Racer GG is uh, basically a league that Landon Castle, uh, Parker Kligman started. Uh, they did uh, Firecracker 400 last year and a couple of really big events where there was a lot of money on the line. And then they did an event this year called the Car Anomaly 500, which was basically uh, them paying out like, I don't know, like 10,000, 15K, something like that uh, to the winner. Kyle Busch was in that race, but uh, they had a couple of community events last week. Um, uh, They just did some uh, cup Xfinity and truck mixed racing all on on the the Watkins Glen boot track, which was really hard. Uh, Did a lot of sliding around in the cup car. Uh, Should have picked the truck or the Xfinity car would have been a lot better uh, suited for uh, the boot. Uh, The cup car just had way too much power, uh, way too much wheel spin. Uh, was really loose coming out of the corner. So really just had to th- uh, feather it uh, coming out of the corner and and really uh, just did not have a, a lot of pace there. Um, I was actually the slowest of the uh, cup cars that were in that race. Um, Parker Kligerman went and ran the truck. Uh forgot where he finished in that, but uh, it was definitely probably the better decision, uh, uh, but uh, had a lot of fun. I think what ended up happening, me in that one was uh, I missed a shift and went from instead of going from third to third gear to fourth gear on on the back straight of Watkins Glen, I went from uh, third to second and then got ran over by the guy behind me. Obviously he wasn't looking or wasn't expecting me to uh, do that. And then I kind of got punted there uh, and then got some wheel damage and had to take the tow truck, but you know, it's all good fun. Not really anything serious, you just, um, whatever uh on a you know wednesday night thursday night uh 30 minute time race and then we did xfinity series at auto club uh which i'm not really that experienced on the xfinity car that track so don't really have a lot of practice time uh raja karuth who's a uh sim racer uh personality and trying to make it up in the canon series with the max siegel's team i think uh the rev racing team uh I think, uh, I was racing against him. Some other guys, uh, in the heat race, uh, had a chance there maybe to make it in, uh, but got caught up in, uh, somebody else's mess, uh, on the second to last lap or, the, uh, next to last lap. So wasn't able to get into that one and make it into the main event where would have been racing against Parker Cleverman and some of the other really good racers in that league. But, um, all in all, it's a lot of fun, but, uh, uh, was able to, you know, race against other guys. So now maybe, um, try to improve there on, on that, uh, series. Um, I think maybe this week we'll probably try to stream some IndyCar fixed oval racing and, uh, the open, uh, setup series, which is on the road, uh, road course level, um, or the road course of racing also going to be racing at auto club. Fixed series is going to be like a 60 lap race. The open series is a hundred lap race, so there's going to be a lot of opportunity for fuel strategy was able to win one time on the IndyCar fixed Oval series at all club back in like September. So maybe, maybe we'll get a win here at, uh, sometime this week. We'll see. Um, and then also on the NASCAR side, the 87 car at Daytona. Um, we'll see how that goes. They changed the setup a few weeks ago uh, or a few seasons ago and made it harder to drive uh, for the 87 cars, a little bit easier to drive. And then uh, all of a sudden the last couple of, runs on the 87 at Daytona uh, It's just gotten way too loose. And there's a lot of opportunity to spin out going to turn one and turn three. So, um, maybe next time we'll have better luck there. Uh, we'll see. Um, but on the road side of things on our racing, uh, I was able to get into class B. Uh, so moving on up in the, uh, road racing series license and, you know, hopefully you can get a little bit more competitive on that end. And, um, you know, uh, the IndyCar racing, uh, series on there is, on the road license, uh, for the open series. So, um, maybe have some opportunities to do, um, IndyCar, uh, open setup racing, uh, with the road course. So maybe get Road America or, uh, Long Beach, uh, all those great road courses that the IndyCar racing, uh, series runs in real life and be able to do it on iRacing. So, uh, that's all I got for the sim stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean going and running Auto Club as you mentioned, again moving up in the open wheel side, getting yourself in a position to compete in some of the bigger races, the bigger Indy five hundred um, lobbies, and the uh, you know some of the other racing that you can get into, and then also with the eighty seven car, I thought I find that to be pretty cool because you're able, I-, I think it's more of a driver's car, uh, running that eighty seven car with no downforce, and the ass end, there's nothing on the ass end. and um, You're going to have to run high, large arcs going into the, the one and three, keep a lot of speed, maybe run in the fence a bit. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Um, are you on bias flies just like they had in 87? Is it how that works, or is it, or is it a radial? How the hell does that work?
1: Um, I mean, I think it's bias ply Um, definitely drives a lot different than the current cup car, obviously, but yeah, I think it's bias ply. Uh, They didn't implement uh, radial tires until like Like 1991 or something like that. So So, I figure it's bias ply for the 87 cars, but still, there's definitely a lot to handle.
0: Yeah, which also helps with the handling and having to be able to science out um, stagger and pressures. Um, yeah. especially on the right rear and the right side tires to go and make them last and also um, give you the kind of grip that you need on the, in the corners. Um, definitely follow Josh and we're going to get into that here. Cause we're uh, calling it a night here and to go and uh, do my own pit stop there for a couple seconds um, since old age has kicked in. I drink a lot of water. Obviously I can't hold it. Um, Josh, where can we follow you on social media? Where can we follow you in terms of, uh, Twitch streams so we can watch you do your eye racing. Um, and, uh, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, you know, as always, uh, follow on Twitter, uh, at JP and then Twitch where we'll have the iRacing racing stuff and any other video games, uh, twitch.tv slash um, two. We'll try to let you know when we go on stream and get live and um, maybe you can catch me on there and watch me race.
0: You can find, follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Uh, you can follow our show at grip strip pod on Twitter, along with uh, Philip G. Matthew.com, which is WordPress, where you can also find our show. Uh, we are on pod Podbean, Podbean. we're on apple podcast amazon music um anywhere most anywhere you can find a podcast uh, you can find the grip podcast and um you know follow us follow uh give us a like go and subscribe the whole bit and um you know, subscribe to some of our friends, some of the people that we've worked with and we collaborate with as well um with their great content and we'll be back next week episode fifty three of the richford podcast, which will be a very formula one heavy um in regards to previewing the twenty twenty one world championship, Bahrain Grand Prix, of course, and just in general, what were we gonna experience? What do we think we're going to see here in a 2021 World uh, Championship? And um, got 12 hours of Sebring recap. We're going to have Sandown, uh, V8 Supercars, NASCAR at Atlanta triple header, um, and then leading into the dirt Bristol dirt race. Uh, so first time that Cup will index first time Xfinity I think has ever been on dirt, uh, or the first time that. The Xfinity series since like they quote Xfinity series starter, they've been on dirt, but I think the the limited late model category ran on dirt back in the 70s or whatever the heck they called it. Uh, it'll be the first time since like 1970 um or 71 that the cup series has been on dirt. So we'll uh bring all that up. We'll talk about all that, some of the uh uh ringers that'll be in that race, those races. Um, which will make it a little more interesting for some of the smaller outfits and um, anything else that comes up here on the Riftstrip podcast. And we'll also probably, if we have time talk about football, Uh, didn't really get to do that today, but it's all good. Uh, We uh, thank you for listening. Uh, Thanks, Josh, as always, for um, doing your thing and bringing the heat. I'm Philip Matthew. Um, stay safe, take care of one another, um, social distance, wear a mask, get a vaccine, get the vaccine when you can, so that we can get back to quote normal um and uh live life um in a way that we can go in and enjoy life and truly do the things that we want to do. Take care, God bless, and good night.